0: Welcome to the Agency Blueprint Podcast, the show for agency owners looking to discover strategies for scaling a truly profitable agency, reducing stress, and getting your personal life back. I'm Robert Patton, international best-selling author, business coach, and contract CFO for creative agencies. Really quick before we jump into the show today, I have a gift for you. If you're an agency owner and you want to know how to structure your lead gen, sales, and operations in a simple, streamlined manner that is less headache and way more profitable, then I want to give you my latest book called the agency blueprint it's free for you when you go to creativeagencysuccesscom success.com forward slash if you're not happy with your agency performance then this book is for you you can also grab the link for the book in today's show notes thanks and now for the show Hey everyone, we have Megan Keithen with us today. She is the founder and CEO of The Queen of Ops, a done-for-you recruiting and hiring agency. She focuses on helping the creative marketing industry recruit and hire the right talent to help facilitate success. Thank you so much for joining us today, Megan.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Robert. I'm just so excited to talk with you about hiring and uh, culture.
0: Likewise. Looking forward to it. I'm sure that we will help a lot of people today. So. What I'm seeing happen a lot right now when it comes to recruiting and hiring is that talent is becoming harder and harder to find, at least with my clients. Are you seeing the same thing? And what do you think is sort of contributing to that at the moment?
1: Definitely talent is becoming harder to find. Um, I think that people are out there, but they are less willing to make moves for anything less than kind of this almost a utopia is what we're seeing. They need to, to really see that it's advantageous to them. Um, it's actually really similar to kind of about a decade ago when we were coming out of the great recession. People were like hesitant to make moves because they had this stability. They'd maybe survived for the entire recession uh, in that business or in that company. Um, and the, the move had to be really worthwhile for them to give up that kind of stability. At the same time, people are really eager to get themselves into better positions. Um, they're just being really picky about who they talk to and how they go about searching.
0: Hmm. That's quite interesting. I, I hadn't really thought about it from the stability perspective. I'm sure that you see this a lot more than me being in the space that, that you're working So when it comes to being able to project that stability to a potential recruit, what would you suggest to be able to help make them feel more stable? I mean, I imagine with everything that's happened and being able to and seeing so many people losing their jobs and knowing I have one right now, I don't want to mess that up and end up like so many other people. What would you say helps them feel a little bit more comfortable making that move to working at a new agency?
1: So it's almost like marketing, but from a different angle, right? So we got to think about like, who's the best voice with the right message for these kinds of people. And for me, I like to let my team actually do the selling when we are, you know, making a new hire. And we we recommend this to our clients as well, is that they have the opportunity that, that their candidates have the opportunity to speak with someone who is like completely sold on the team and the culture and the work that the business is doing, Um, preferably someone who has been there for long enough. You know, I'm not going to be very excited about talking to someone who's been there for two weeks or even two months, but someone who's been with the company for two years or eight years, that's someone who I will listen to.
0: I think that that's a a great point out, right, that you look at it as marketing and selling to a recruit. And I think that so many people miss this particular piece is that the largest line item that you're going to have in your financial as an agency is your team, is your talent. And the vast majority of the time, people are putting generic job posts up. They're talking solely about the agency. They're not talking about it at all about culture. They're not talking at all about the person they're looking for, making sure it's the right person and thinking about it from a marketing angle, as much time as you would spend trying to attract a potential client or prospect, spending that time being able to attract the right talent. So you have them for a long period of time. It is a huge investment into this person and making sure you find the right one is so key.
1: Yes, we we oftentimes will encourage our clients to build out an avatar of who is the person that is working at their company, like when they they step into and like we do this with clients all the time. We think who is our client even before we have that client. We'd say who is this person. If we're about to make a shift in the way that we serve or uh in the market that we are providing to, we think about that avatar. Um, but we don't we don't do that when we're looking at who we're bringing onto the team, which actually is the the biggest factor when it comes to actually serving those clients and and making sure that the avatar we want to serve with the offer you know it's we have to we have to do that we have to spend the time to decide who is the right person for this bus
0: i couldn't agree more um if you were to point out and i'm sure that picking just one may be a bit difficult if you have to Give me a couple more, but what would you say is the number one mistake that you see happen with agencies and clients when they go to make a new key hire?
1: I think the biggest mistake is not truly defining the position. Most agencies that we work with, and I think this is actually true kind of across the board in every industry that I've served, um, most agencies are, they don't hire until there's pain. And so because of that, they're in a spot where like they need someone and they're not sitting down. They don't have the presence of mind. It's, it's the equivalent of going grocery shopping when you're hungry. It's like you're going to come home with like eight bags of potato chips and you will have left all of the veggies that were on your list and you probably didn't get the protein that you needed and whatever. It's like, well, you made that decision in a moment of hunger. Rather than making that decision from a really like well thought through plan,
0: I think that's so incredibly important. I don't know that for me. I I tend to not um, do any grocery shopping, and when I do, I always pick the bad things, anyways. But (laughs) aside from that analogy, (laughs) um, I I 100% agree that you have to make sure that you're thinking about it appropriately and making sure that you're going into it with a plan and when you're actually going to do it and give them the right amount of time to be onboarded correctly. And I see this happen so fast is that someone's hired and then within a couple of days and maybe even before their start date, they're having them meeting with clients and starting to do work because they have that need so urgently mm-hmm. and they never give that person the opportunity to start well and really excel in the
1: position. Yes. Yeah, we find that is a, like that's a an unfortunate byproduct of not defining the position is that then. They just kind of start that person off. So maybe the actual answer to this is like not having thought through their needs in advance and thought through what it will look like to hire off of a plan, not just for one position, but for a multitude of positions for everything. We, we're helping our clients right now uh, to build out plans for six months to a year of what those hires are going to look like.
0: I absolutely love that. And having sort of tick marks in what your average revenue has been and how many clients you actually have in the pipeline that allows you to have predictors of I know that we reliably close this much in revenue with this much in the pipeline that we can afford to start hiring XYZ team members so that we can start being ahead of the hiring rather than constantly behind feeling like you're never going to get ahead of it. What are your thoughts when it comes to personality evaluations? Um, I tend to advise. A lot of times when someone's hiring someone that's going to be 70,000, 80,000 plus and a key hire to the team, that they have personality evaluations of that person, sort of what's going to work well with the person that's managing them. What are the areas that they're going to struggle with? How how are they going to mesh into the culture and just really have a very clear understanding of how they can best support that new team member? What is your opinion of this particular topic?
1: Yeah, I I love that we're talking about this So. I am an expert in Myers Briggs. I love Myers Briggs, uh, and it's a framework that we use inside Queen of Ops a lot. Um, however, as much as I love it, we're really careful with how we advise clients on it, mostly because clients are not. Uh, everyone goes like, "Oh, well, I read my, I I read my type, and so I understand." who I am, and now I think I get this introvert, extrovert thing, or I think I get this like thinker-feeler thing. and So I, I really need a thinker in this position. I can't have someone who has feelings. Um, and the, the truth is that most people don't understand any, whether it's Myers-Briggs or Enneagram or even StrengthsFinder or DISC, they don't understand these tools uh, on a level that would help them make a good decision. So we, when we're hiring, we do use um, personality as one of our four uh, things that we do in what we call a deep dive interview. Um, and we do ask candidates to complete a Myers-Briggs assessment, um, but it's mostly so that we can get a picture of how they're going to fit into the team as a whole. Um, and we don't use it to inform the hire itself. First of all, that's illegal. Uh, But secondly, it's sort of unfair because this candidate and this candidate might have different types, but they both could perform equally well. They could both be equally skilled. It's more about, oh, we see this kind of thing being helpful in this type of person. We see this type type of candidate being able to bring a structure that might be really great so it's, it's kind of one of those things where, like, I love them, and I think that if you know what you're doing, it's an incredible tool, but most people don't have the time to put into understanding it correctly.
0: Yeah, I 100% sort of agree that there's tons of valuable information, but you can also go and lean too far into it, right, especially if you're going into it with a small amount of knowledge on how it actually applies the piece that I see the most beneficial in it is just sort of where they're going to Excel, what sort of challenges they're going to have in the role. So you can make sure to support them as best as you can. As far as I see management, our responsibility is to make sure that our team has the tools that they need to be successful. And that's one of the piece of it, right? Is that we are humans and we're emotional creatures that have our flaws and our strengths and making sure that we help support the flaws and really elevate the strengths that that person has that it really makes sure that that person is set up as best for success.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: So uh, you mentioned uh, your four deep, um, deep items that you go through. And I would like to hear a little bit of your, what you suggest are your best practices as well for recruitment. You can dive a little bit deeper on those two items.
1: Yeah. Uh, Gosh, I, we probably have too many best, too yeah, too many best practices. I've never said that phrase. It's sort of weird. Too many best practices to list them all right now. But if I'm thinking of kind of the the top few, uh, the the well that you draw from is going to affect the quality and also the number of wells that you draw from will give you better access to the kind of quality that you want. So One of the things that we see is that a lot of times companies will, they'll just post on social media. They might throw a post up on Indeed, one platform here, one platform there. They're not really, they're, they're, it's the sort of approach that like, oh, well, people are out there looking for us. And so the right person is just waiting for our, Opportunity to hit them in the face, and as we all know, that is not the world that we live in anymore. Unfortunately, so what what we really recommend is getting the word out in as many places as possible. We we typically will use at least fifteen different sources when we're trying to find uh, for each one specific source. Uh, sorry, each one specific job where we are combing the internet. Diving into our networks um, and networking is, I think, a really underutilized resource when it comes to to finding these people. Um, another is, and you mentioned this on our so our deep dive interview, is four. We cover four different areas. Those areas are the technical, so that candidates' experience, skill whether that's natural or learned. Um, Also, usually education kind of falls into that um, with the job as it pertains to like this specific role in this specific company. Uh, We also dig into their cultural fit. And I think this is something that um, people struggle to interview for, but it is really important that we don't leave that out. Behavioral is the one that we find people are least equipped to actually interview for. Um, Behavioral is understanding how people will deal with specific situations. We end up kind of, all of our questions end up being behavioral because we don't want to ask any binary questions. We don't want to do a yes, no ever Um, And then that fourth piece, like I mentioned, is the personality. So having multiple dimensions, and sometimes, you know, we're experts, and we're also trying to be as efficient as possible for our clients, so that it's not, you know, two weeks from the first time we talk to a candidate to when we present them. So we squish that into one interview. Um, but if our clients are doing this on their own or if other agencies are doing this on their own, we we recommend that you really take the time on each of those areas to truly understand how that person will work inside your organization.
0: I think that's so incredibly valuable. Um, I mean, what I think is so funny about it is that as you were talking about that we just expect people to just come and knock on our doors. I think that that sort of transcends not just hiring, but also with clients and prospecting that that's how agencies tend to go about both and mm-hmm. no, they don't just come knocking on our door. As much as I would love that every potential prospect would just come knock on my door every single day, um, that doesn't tend to be the case. You do sometimes have to go out there and try to recruit appropriately, making sure you're getting mm-hmm. in front of them as much as you possibly can. And where are their eyes now so that you can make sure that you are there when their eyes are in that specific place? Uh, retention is huge. We've spent so much time um, finding and recruiting this particular uh, new team member, and we want to make sure that we have them stay for a long time. And retention can be a huge piece. And ultimately, agencies are selling their team's time, expertise, and talents. And retention is a huge issue in a lot of cases. If we have an agency owner that's listening right now that's having a retention problem, what would you suggest to them? Where should they look? How should they be looking at it? And what could they possibly do to? help mitigate the retention issues?
1: So I think the first thing when we come into a company that is having retention issues uh, and they are asking for our help fixing it, the first thing that we look at is how authentic are the conversations and how often are the conversations that they are having with their people? Do their people know that they can come to them and like kind of say anything? And in agency culture, a lot of times, I don't know if this is, uh, if you've found this to be true, but we've found this to be true. Um, there's really a lot of kind of that like top down way of, of running the show. And first of all, that's becoming really antiquated. People are tired of working in this because I said, so culture and and so the companies that are retaining team members are the ones where there's not not the open door policy as like kind of the generation before us liked to talk about but a truly open policy of I can say anything without fear of retaliation I can come to you and tell you that I, I'm unhappy. I can express to you that my mental health is suffering right now because of work from home or because my wife just had a baby and it's, there's just a lot going on and I want to make this work, but I don't know how. And so a lot of times when people are leaving, uh, we, especially, I I find this to be so true with agency clients is they, they think that it's because of the money but the money is just the excuse. The money is just the thing that says like, oh well, like it's better on this side. And they don't have to get into any of the emotional stuff. They don't have to get into um what like it, it's it's just an easy answer. They don't have to share what truly has happened. What where the culture has broken their trust or where they have felt minimized, where they've felt unseen, where they've felt like they just don't make an effort or they don't, they just don't make a contribution anymore. So that's always where we look and it looks, it it ends up being kind of a different conversation in every agency, but it's, it's about the willingness to be humble and graciously accept any feedback and then partner with that person to make changes. And uh, we, this is like a whole other topic that we could get into another time, but um, we use Maslow's hierarchy of needs to help build out the framework for security and safety and belonging inside companies and everybody, like all of those needs are, are needs that we experience as humans in general, but inside companies, we can provide all of them and make, I would say, if, if you walk into your favorite coffee shop and they know your name and they know your drink and they're willing to bring it to you and they want to come over and they want to chat with you. And then they're talking to another customer and they're telling them, Oh yeah, that person is so cool. Yeah. You should, you should hear about their business or you should hear about what they do, or they have this super cool hobby. It's like, you want to go back there. And yet we do not create that inside our businesses. And it's such an easy thing to do, to just be praising our employees to, uh, within the organization, outside of the organization, uh, to be creating that that safety and to be creating a place where people feel like they have ownership and they belong.
0: You said so many things that are so incredibly important that I say all the time. I mean, from the command and control type management style, from the 40s, 50s, and 60s. It doesn't work anymore. I'm sorry, everyone, but that command and control style needs to change, especially as we have the demographic of the workforce changing. As millennials and Gen Y and Gen Z are becoming the predominant workforce in the U.S., they're not going to respond to that type of management style, and safe and secure is 100% the way to go. And yes, I know every single time someone says, You know, I feel like someone's going to leave. I think that I need to give them more money. And it's like, you've missed the first two reasons. And I say this all the time, the top three reasons. These are the three reasons. The number one reason that someone comes to work is for being part of a team, knowing that they have, we are a tribe animal, we're a herd animal. And that is creating the first base foundation of what a human being needs to feel safe and secure is a tribe, is a community, is a team. Mm -hmm. Number two is for the acknowledgement of doing a good job make sure that you commend them for the work that they're doing and tell them when they've done very well and make sure to have that open door. And number three, I mean, obviously they are there for a job and to provide themselves with life sustainability. So money is a factor, but it is one piece of the puzzle. And sort of final thoughts on that, that particular piece too, is that I personally with every single team member, I spend more time getting to know them as an individual, what they enjoy, what they do outside of work, because that's not what where, why they're on this planet is to work at my company. The reason that they're on this planet is for attachment to other people and the things that they enjoy. And learning about them is so incredibly important. And I feel that from every facet of the business, making sure that we are human first, which I think just gets missed so much nowadays, that think just on a basic human level, get to know that person the same way that you would at a a bar or at at, at any sort of place. It would be a social place that you would meet someone. If you have someone that's only talking about themselves and what they want and what they need, you're like, wow, look at this egotistical person. I want to have nothing to do with them. But someone that's asking questions, taking interest is someone that someone is going to want to have a deeper relationship with, want to get to know better, and will likely know for a longer period of time. So looking at your relationship with your employees is so incredibly, incredibly, incredibly important.
1: Yes, that's like my favorite monologue ever. I love everything that you said. (laughs) Thank you.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So Megan, if listeners are wanting to learn more about you and your uh, recruitment agency or have any questions about recruitment and retention and team culture, how could they best get in touch with you?
1: So we can always be found at thequeenofops.com. It's probably the easiest way to reach us and uh, get access to our calendar if you are interested in talking with us. Um, I can also, you can hit me up at, uh, I'm on Facebook, Megan, M-E-G-A-N, Keithen, K-U-E-T-H-E-N. Uh, you can also find me at Megan at thequeenofops.com if you have questions for me directly or, you know, just
0: want to hit me up all right everyone thank you so much megan for joining us today all of those links and contact information will be available in the show notes if you're looking to get in contact with megan it was such a lovely uh conversation that we had today megan thank you so much for joining us
1: thank you robert
0: once again thank you so much for carving out the time to hear what was shared on today's podcast now chances are if you're an agency owner listening to this podcast right now Then you may be feeling like this because i was finding myself constantly overworked within our business um, constantly like too busy with fulfillment or too busy with uh, customer service needs so i didn't have the time to go think about how am i going to close this person or what am i going to say to this person or what am i going to do with this or what's the next strategy i need to do now of course this podcast is here to help you with a lot of things but at one episode per week It's going to take a while for us to share everything you need specifically for your situation so if you're really serious about committing to fixing the problems in your agency now so you can build a truly profitable business and get your life back then i want to invite you to apply for the agency accelerator program I'm not so stressed during calls thinking, oh my gosh, I got, I got to sell, I got to sell, I got to sell, because if I don't sell, I don't, make our, I don't make our numbers. you know. And if I don't make our numbers, I can't pay our people. If I can't pay our people, then our business is down. This program is designed to help creative agency owners get to 1 million in revenue per year in 12 months or less. I typically charge one client a $3,000, anywhere from $2,000 to $3,000. Now I'm uh, moving towards only $5,000 and up. And my latest client that I closed is a $10,000 client on a monthly retainer. We only accept about 20% of the agencies that apply to this program because we want to make sure that we only work with people who will commit the time, energy, and resources required to take what they learn in the program and use it to create an agency of their dreams. You've taught me and you've taught us how to build this within our company that if X happens, this happens. Boom, 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 boom. Like it's so systematic that it's going to work for itself. That has given me the sense of like, oh, I know what the heck I'm talking about. I know what I'm good at. I know that I can deliver upon what I want to deliver. And it, yeah, I gained hell of a lot of confidence for sure. So if that's you, then I want to invite you to apply today. Just hit the link in the show notes to apply for the Agency Accelerator program or go to creativeagencysuccess.com forward slash apply. Thanks. And I'll see you inside the program.